Hey friends, welcome to the Victor Marks Podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations faced with life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive in to today's show. Hello there, and thanks for joining us on this edition of the Victor Mark Show. Does my voice sound radio-ish? Because actually, I'm really tired. If I would have done it the way I feel, it would have been, hello, hello, <laughs> my name is Victor. Am I tired? But you know what? Sometimes you got to suck it up, buttercup, and that's what we're doing. We have a, a great guest today. He's a friend, which always makes it, in many ways, better. We're talking about Dr. Anthony Randall. He's founder and president of Vanguard XX and a big I. How many is that? Is that 21? 21. All right. Uh, Dr. Randall specializes in executive coaching, emotional intelligent leadership training, and character development. He developed and leads marriage and family retreats as well as uh, retreats for veterans dealing with PTSD, career transition, which is always challenging, and then addiction. During his 24 years in the United States Army, Dr. Randall served in several critical roles and was deployed in Iraq, Afghanistan, Egypt. So let's get into the discussion now on this edition of the Victor Mark Show. Awesome, Victor. Great to be with you today, brother. Good to see you. Man, I, I've actually been looking forward to this. You know, like I said in the intro, man, I, I got it tired. Sometimes we get tired, don't we? We do. I'm at my standing desk today because I'm a... Uh... I'm revved up on Flexol after throwing my back out lifting in the gym with my son Monday morning. No. So, yeah. So uh, lower back. Yeah, it's all those lower back injuries I've had over the years. So nice. the, the and, good uh, news, as my son pointed out, as he picked me up off the floor, as he was like, "Dad, are you okay?" I'm like, "Yeah, I can't feel my legs, and you know, it's the usual back pain." He's well, Dad. The upside to this is I was going to use that weight for deadlifts, so now I don't have to change the weight out. I was like, Boom. "Thanks, buddy. Glad I was here for you." <laughs> Adapted and overcome, solution oriented. Well, brother, you did run hard and strong in the army. You've done some things few have, including being a ranger and a master parachutist. Tell us a little bit about your background uh, in the military first. Sure. Well, uh, I started out in high school. I wanted to. Uh, join the service. Our, our family is uh, eighth generation sons of the American revolution. So I uh, have a long lineage there. And I remember the recruiter in high school coming to my house and he had one of those 1980s be all you can be trifolds. And he opened it up and it said airborne ranger special forces. And I said, I want to do all three of those. And he said, well, hold on a second. And I said, listen, unless I can do all three of those, I'm not interested in talking to you. Wow. So, uh, so he left and uh, I ended up uh, very thankful. Got the opportunity to go to the United States Military Academy at West Point. And wow. so uh, was the third alternate to get in there. I got called on the last day after two guys ahead of me turned their appointments down. And uh, so I went in and uh, scrapped and, and fought my way through there for four years and graduated. Thank Lord he's Ghani. And, uh, <laughs> and then from there, I got commissioned as an engineer officer and went to the 82nd Airborne Division. Oh, wow. So it was in engineering. Yeah, so I was a, a combat engineer. So I'd done my airborne and ranger schools, and so I showed up as a you know young ranger lieutenant in the 82nd, and got to jump out of airplanes and blow stuff up. Man, it was a lot of fun. So uh, we built airfields and we blew things up and we jumped out of planes and we had a great time. And 
uh, I wanted to be a special forces. And so I put my packet in as a senior lieutenant and uh, six months before my date to go to the course, I got injured mm. and uh, I was a pretty high flying guy. Um, and it was the first time God kind of had to humble me. So I got a detached retina on a jump master accident. I was hanging out the door of an aircraft at 130 knots at night, about to exit some jumpers, was not wearing air eye protection and detached my retina, went in for emergency surgery because I was blind in that eye. And uh, as they went to put me under, they did a quick little, you know, checkup on the body. And they're like, you know, you have two hernias. And I mm. said, no, I didn't know that, but had some abdominal pain the last few weeks, you know, thought it was just training, you know. And so long story short, um, that was a, a six to nine month recovery that took me out of the pipeline to go uh, be a Green Beret. And, um, you know, honestly, I got angry at God. I got angry at the Army and oh. I got angry, angry with myself. And um, I decided to get out of the military. So I spent two more years uh, doing some staff work there. And then I got out of the military. That's when the Lord kind of got a hold of my life. Um, as guys who know me today as Chaplain Randall, who knew me 20 years ago, they're always like, so wait a minute, you're yeah. a chaplain. And right. I'm like, like, do you remember? I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> I also believe in redemption. So the Lord really kind of got a hold of me through that whole experience. Got out of the military and was in the corporate world for a couple of years. Wrote a book on leadership, started a leadership consulting company, and laying in my bed in a beautiful custom-built home on a golf course at 27 years old, thinking I was doing great. God spoke to me in a dream. He spoke to my wife, Janine, the same night. We're sitting there looking at each other, and he said, go back into the military as an Army chaplain. Wow. So uh, we sold everything we owned, moved back to Denver, where we're both from, and I had the privilege to go to Denver Seminary, get my Master's of Divinity there pastored out there for a couple of years and came back on active duty in 2006 as an army chaplain and had the privilege to serve uh, the 3rd Infantry Division, 15 months in Iraq, came back, had the privilege to go into special forces and special missions units and special operations, did five more deployments to Afghanistan and Iraq um, in special operations, and then came back here to Fort Benning to be the Ranger Training Brigade chaplain that oversees the Ranger and Airborne School, so was able to minister to all those students for a couple of years as the brigade chaplain was a senior pastor here at Crossroads Chapel for several years and, and built a really healthy chapel congregation. And, uh, and then finished up my career as the ethics instructor. So the army sent me back to school and I got a master's in philosophy and theology from Emory University and had the privilege to rewrite the character and leadership development uh, process here at Fort Benning and was able to teach about 10,000 guys in three years, character development, virtue ethics, strategic decision-making, emotional intelligent leadership, those kind of things. And then finished up last year as a garrison chaplain. So there's my career in a nutshell. I think uh, the one thing I would say is that God's plans are not always our plans. And I ran parallel for a long time. And when God got a hold of me and called me and I just surrendered my life to him that night in 2002, every unit that I ever wanted to serve in, he sent me yeah. back as a shepherd, not as an operator. And then all the leadership and character development I always wanted to do, he gave me that opportunity at the end of my career to do that for three years. And now that I have the privilege in marketplace ministry to do that now, to do leadership and development and coaching in the corporate world and sports industry and nonprofit industry. I mean, Anthony, it, th this is incredible. And, and hey, folks who are listening or watching, I wanted to give you context for some of the discussion that me and Anthony are going to have, because before you try to listen to someone giving advice or insider wisdom, you got to know are they qualified. And I mean, not just degrees don't qualify a man, neither does title titles, but what, what they do and how they live. 
and and I know that we were introduced uh, through Colonel Teagues, mm-hmm. who you know we've let everyone know that he was uh, a key leader in the unit that technically is not supposed to exist, but exists. So I guess I was technically his chaplain, but not technically his chaplain then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, we <laughs> we can't tell y'all more, or else the chaplain would have to pray for you. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, I find out more about men initially from other men I trust and know. That's a good point, Victor. Right? Because anybody can sell you a bit of goods, but when people go, oh, I know him. I've worked with him. I've been in bad spots with him and seen the character. And that's that's what I want to talk about. Um, you know, there's a dearth in the sense of lack of character. People being resilient, uh, people making right decisions, people being honest. You know, there there are people listening or watching right now that are fighting God, or running parallel to Him, or having a form of godliness, but actually they're not. They're just faking it. And really, some are angry because things aren't turning out the way they want. Just like you, just like me. Mine was when my I would say when my hamstring tore out of my issue and rolled up into a big fat softball and in essence ended my trajectory and career as a martial artist and as a fighter. And I was around 26 or 27. Mm-hmm. I like you got very angry at God. I was like, mm-hmm. I don't have anything else. I don't have any other skills. And, and I loved kicking and I love fighting and, and all of a sudden it's gone. That's when we have to trust God. And if you're listening, you may be laid up in bed. You may be without a job. You may be going through a divorce. Look, you've got to trust God because ultimately it's, it's not about what you can't control. It's about what you can control, and that's how you respond to situations. Are you getting closer to the Lord or further away? So anger, anger is a secondary emotion, right? And is is anger always bad when you're jacked up? Well, that's an interesting question because I think, unfortunately, sometimes anger is my primary emotion. <laughs> I don't know about you <laughs> or, or guys listening out there today, but uh, you, know, yeah. you, you do you do several combat tours. You operate at a very high high pace and a high pace environment. You can get quicker to your red line than most people do. And uh, I love the movie Ford versus Ferrari. Victor, have you seen that movie? I love it. So I love twice. it. One of my favorites. And and you know the quote that starts the beginning end of the movie is about finding that secret spot, you know, you can feel it coming up behind you, that 7,000 RPM. And I, I would hope that, that when you have a calling on your life, when God puts a calling on your life and there's gifts and abilities and, and purpose to be out there in the world, man, I love, I love running at 7,000 RPM. You're getting absolutely everything you can out of the machine, right? But there's such a fine line there that yeah. if, you, if you go past it, you hit the red and you blow everything up. Um, or maybe you're just complacent and you're running at 3000 because you're too scared to suck at something new. Right. right. And, and you're, and you're not going after what you've really been called to do. So yeah, I agree. I mean, it's something I've had to struggle with over the years is, is, you know, tempering my, my anger and going back to Ephesians four and recognizing that is an emotion. Well, you, you know, a lot of us, uh, I don't know what they call us a, a personalities or high something drive like that. or whatever, 
and sometimes you're just really born with that. That's your imprint. It's not that you're trying to choose it. It's it's kind of. I, I remember a situation when my son, we had moved to a new place, and my son and daughter were at a homeschool event from junior high to high school, and uh, you know, long story short, a high schooler pinged him with a soccer ball, you know, in his face, trying to just messing with him. And, uh, my son, uh, he flipped the switch and went after him, went after about all of them, including throwing rocks and there, you know, and we get a call, a frantic parent going, Hey, I, I think we need help. You're, we have your son in a basement and your, his sister's trying to calm him down. So we drove over there and, you know, I said, Hey, you know, I said, well, what's the situation? Well, he got hit in the face buy a soccer ball and you know he thinks the kid uh, because it happened twice and uh, so we pull up and guess what my wife wants to jump out of the van and, and go ratchet people i said honey you stay here <laughs> honey please let let me try to handle walk in you know and it was uncomfortable because you know uh people were like oh my gosh it's it's you you're victor marks the martial artist the guy that you know and your son is out of control. So I just said, well, I don't think he's out of control, but I think he's not directing his angst correctly. Mm -hmm. So I pulled him up, got those kids. I said, here's the deal. If you're honest, you'll probably take advantage of him, little guy and drilling him. You know, you get nailed, you get picked on. Well, it's your time to stand up. It's called back. sparring partners. Thank They're you. Crucible experiences. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> of, of course, the super wicked ones out there, no dice. But I said, look, let me just tell y'all, this guy's young, y'all a little older, but he's made a certain way. He has a sense of justice that he's willing to die on a hill for. And there may be a day, I said there would be, in the future, where y'all are all hanging out. He's a little bit older than... Y'all a little bit older. Y'all may be in a parking lot. And if something goes sideways, guess who's going to be the first person in your group to step up in front to protect or fight any any weirdness? It's going to be him. Mm -hmm. And they're all scratching their head like, oh, my. Uh, I said, so I think you ought to kind of help ease them into y'all's little club of friends in this homeschool world. But I, I would just tell parents and wives if you got somebody who's high strung, first of all, don't let them be passive aggressive. That's dangerous. Mm -hmm. Let them express themselves. Let them express their anger or angst, but then teach them to do it in productive ways. Mm -hmm. You and I joined martial arts, right? Yeah, we did. I mean, you've got a background in martial arts. You're a black belt in Japanese jujitsu, which it's funny because for a while there, the pendulum was swinging. I was like, well, Japanese jujitsu isn't really jujitsu. Oh, come on. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. Remember when Brazilian jujitsu was it? We kind of laugh about it. There's only one jujitsu. Uh, they right. just specialized on, on the grappling aspect, and we love it. You train in BJJ as well. But uh, was martial arts good for you to help kind of? It, it absolutely was. I, I was the kid that got picked on. I mean, I tell people all the time, I've had the same perspective on life since eighth grade because I peaked out at five foot six in eighth grade. It's as tall as I ever got, you know. So, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, my dad was my dad was in the Air Force and he was actually the base champion in Europe for judo in the 1960s. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And so 
uh, he, you know, he would always te- teach us temperance, but he would always teach us, you know, first time a kid pushes you, you walk away. The second time he pushes you, keep walking. The third time, you know, go get a teacher. But if it pursues, you got to turn around and, you know, defend yourself. And of course, we can't tell our kids to do that today's school environment. But um, so long story short, you know, he used to always tell us, listen, he goes, you need to understand that there's always someone a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger and a little bit faster than you. And if you're arrogant and you've got a huge ego and you're cocky, you'll run into that person sooner yep. than you want to. And so uh, I remember going through high school. Uh, my first, I went to a private junior high school, went to a public high school. So I went from big fish, little pond to little tiny fish, big pond. And uh, my first two years, I probably got in three or four fights because guys would pick on me. Right. You know, I would use the judo my dad had taught them and I would use some basic self-defense stuff. And so that's when I started studying. I said, you know what? I want to get into this. Not to not to fight, because I wanted to get into the martial way, right? I've got, I want to get into the martial art. I've got a great book on my bookshelf back here called Living the Martial Way that was written by an Air, Air Force colonel named Forrest Morgan. He wrote it probably 25, 30 years ago. And I think that's where I first fell in love with virtue ethics, Victor. Mm-hmm. I think it's where I first fell in love with what an ethos is. How do you shape an ethos? That ethos is this code. It's a code of honor. There's these virtues that you ascribe yes. to. And so I got my black belt in Taekwondo in high school. I fought in the Junior Olympics, and that allowed me to go fight on the karate team at West Point, wow. um, which was awesome. Oh yeah, uh, because I got the crap beat out of me every day. You know, I mean, there's and you just guy, kept getting better. Yeah, you just keep getting better. And so that's when I met uh, my my Japanese jiu-jitsu sensei, uh, Sensei Reno. And um, Reno is 83 years old, had open heart surgery last year, and he's still coaching the army judo team at west point he's still on love the mat it. three or four days a week throwing guys love it and uh my daughter now wants to go to the academy and she wants to be on the army judo team with sensei you know and how cool would it be to have two generations so what what i learned from martial arts and i tell parents all the time if you want to get your your kids into a, a sport or something athletic get them into martial arts get them into brazilian jiu-jitsu or you know taekwondo or some sort of karate something that they enjoy different arts provide different things but the number one thing they all provide is they provide a code you begin to learn to live by a code bigger than yourself that's rooted in virtue ethics that are altruistic you can find them throughout the world you find self-confidence self-discipline patience and restraint self-control and and a ton of humility one of my best friends on the cry team teaches high school here in in the same city that we live in and he's the wrestling coach over at that high school. And my daughter wrestles on the opposing team. My daughter is a three-year varsity letter woman on the men's varsity wrestling wow. team. And uh, yeah, so she's, Go girl. she's awesome. She's got a blue belt in jiu-jitsu. And then both my boys wrestle and do jiu-jitsu because I think it's so good for them. Mm. But I tell parents all the time, if you want your kids to learn about something bigger than themselves, humility, a code, self-defense, all that stuff, get into martial arts because it changed my life. And now, unfortunately, because of all my injuries from jumping at airplanes and fighting all those years, uh, I can't get on the mat with my kids because they'll they'll tear me up. So <laughs> now I just coach them, you know. <laughs> I I get it. I remember prepping my uh, son, my 18 year old son at the time for world championships in karate, and uh, he teed off on me, not really expecting to get there as quick as he did, and we both kind of stood there. I was like really about to get on <laughs> yeah he was like oh i said hey papa son's getting older but uh now we're gonna just fine tune this little thing <laughs> i may not hit you first but i am gonna hit you second 
And the same thing with Jeff. I mean, Jeff's son is a phenomenal Brazilian oh, yeah. jiu-jitsu player. Isn't he a world champion? Yeah, it's it's uh, but that's what we want. Yeah. Real quickly, as a pastor, as a chaplain of the military, Victor, it was a huge way to fulfill 1 Corinthians 9. When Paul says, I'm all things to all people, right? I, uh, to the Jew, I'm a Jew. To the Greek, I'm a Greek. To the Romans, I'm a Romans. To the weak, I'm the weak. To the strong, I'm strong. The opportunity that I had to get on the mat with guys over the years, you know, I get nicknames like the Holy Roller, the fighting chaplain, you know, these, you know, and and it was a place to be a man, you know, to fulfill that Latin phrase, estovir, and and to get in there and recognize that you can be, you can be a follower of Christ. You can be a man of God. You can, you can bring it. I love it. Yeah. I, you want to hear something sad because, you know, of course I taught martial arts for decades, right? Big schools, da da da. You know some of the best and worst students I've ever trained were pastors, were people in ministry, because you could see very quickly those pastors whose egos were so huge and hidden behind the pulpit that the first moment they got punched, kicked, thrown, their anger they would be like, you know, I'd go, hey, this is a combative sport. What do you? You you want just you're surprised? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they were, and I seen them come and go by the droves. But then those who were sincere and had their ego in check, they were just warriors, you know, gentle warriors, and uh, dangerous. And I mm-hmm. think we as Christians should be dangerous. Now we're talking about youth and becoming, you know, having these benefits of training. The Boy Scouts of America used to be a great organization to get that ethos, ethics, code. Mm-hmm. What in the world has happened? Because uh, I know you're a scoutmaster, but where, where are we at with the Boy Scouts? Uh, lately, I've heard it, it's not great. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to speak on behalf of the Boy Scouts of America, but uh, I am an assistant scoutmaster. I'm an Eagle Scout. My dad was my scoutmaster. My dad wow. was an Eagle Scout. Really? And Monday night, my 14-year-old son became an Eagle Scout. So we oh, have three smart. generations of Eagle Scouts. Um, I would tell you for growing up young men of character, um, the Boy Scouts of America is still probably one of the best places to do that. I needed to hear that. I think many of our listeners did or do need to hear that. Interesting. Yeah. I think sometimes, whether it's politics in America or the church in America, whatever else, many times we look at the 30,000 view and we see the strategic things that are happening, that many times at the tactical level, a Boy Scout troop. They're doing good. They're doing good. We have a phenomenal troop here in town. We have several troops here in our city that are phenomenal. But the troop that we're part of, um, we have, you know, it's probably half civilian, half military, you know. Our scoutmaster is an old paratrooper, so he and I, you know, hit it off pretty well, but we've got corporate guys and small business owners and everyone else part of our troop. I think it's the conditions you set, Victor. It's no different than yeah. being a father in a home or, or a president of a company or a boss at work or whatever it is. What conditions are you going to set? The Boy Scouts of America provide some incredible conditions to set to train up young men of character. And, and so our troop, I think they're taking 35 or 40 kids to scout camp this summer. See, I, I love this. And this reminds me of both are Christians just going to abandon things that were great? Are people who are conservative, are we going to yield to mm-hmm. groups we don't agree with that are coming in? Uh, same with politics. Yep. You know, everybody's looking at the, you know, the White House, 
But man, you better start in your community, your county, mm-hmm. your city, your school board. Mm-hmm. And we must engage. And I think raising up solid men and women, young men and women to do this, that's how we take back uh, or move the needle so that we are living in a country that embraces solid fundamentals of values and beliefs. We don't all have to agree on everything. I can be friends with a heathen just as much as I can a, a Christian. Hey, the heathens keep me in business. You know uh, what I'm saying? Seriously, so right? If, if you're a believer in the word every day, I already got you in the goal, yeah. brother. You're already a puck in the goal. <laughs> I got still got a lot of pucks and play on the ice. We got to get out there and get those guys. Right? So, uh, listen, I, I want us to continue our conversation because uh, I want to move this into uh, where we are in this next generation of young men uh, and women who don't have the character, who don't have the the moral backbone, so to speak. They're floundering in our culture, and partially us are responsible for the conditions set mm-hmm. that have allowed things just to go bonkers. So would you hang around uh, Absolutely. one more day, and let's do a second episode. I think this will be great. Everyone, you've been listening to Dr. Anthony Randall. He's founder and president of Vanguard 21, a company that offers executive coaching, character development, and emotional intelligent leadership training, which we'll talk about tomorrow. Dr. Randall has many well-known clients, such as Pittsburgh Pirates, MLB, Baylor's men's basketball team, the University of Colorado Executive MBA program, just to name a few. So listen, come back tomorrow, and let's pick this up so we can become really all that God wants us to be. And wherever you are, whatever you're doing, do it for the glory of God and full throttle it. So go get it done. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.